Howdy, everybody. Welcome to Track 35, Mr. Inevitable. Welcome in. Welcome, in, everybody. This is the last episode of Season 1. So it's kind of cool. We ended up on Episode 35 to end Season 1. Kind of a cool little number to end on, I guess. But it's been a fun ride, and we've covered a lot of football, covered a lot of offseason stuff, a lot of Dallas Cowboys, shattered the script, and I would say 30 weeks of football. Um, and we are proud to have given you guys a script shattering, uh, take every Wednesday. Um, and we will be back in season two, um, in March. So, but we wanted to wrap things up with some Super Bowl recap, talk about some highlights from the Super Bowl outside of the game, cover a little bit of tracking the boys towards the end. And we know Mike Zimmer coming in at defensive coordinator, um, Jordan Love, you know, was a guest on the edge with Michael Parsons in Vegas, which had some interesting takes there and then of course our track ranking then we have of course i'm your host the rook and i'm joined by the medalist the medical guy and the analyst the medalist medalist. uh that's actually a kind of a cool cool name but um yeah the anal med is in the house today so appreciate you guys joining in uh for the final episode of season one okay well let's go straight into um shadow the script and if you are a first-time listener, before we get to that, um, want to encourage you guys to hop on into our social media, give it a follow, give it a shout out, you know, share it with your friends. Uh, if you ever hear somebody say the NFL script and say, "Hey, I got the perfect podcast for you," and you you can point them point the directions right here to uh, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Music at the Track Podcast. You can find our link trees on X or Instagram and TikTok um, down there on the bottom of the banner. Um, okay. Shadow the script, Kyle Shanahan. Okay, we've heard a couple of things about Kyle Shanahan after the Super Bowl concluded. He's 0-3 in the Super Bowl. Um, and it's not to say that he's a bad coach. We want to bring up a statistic here of basically his stats in the Super Bowl. As head, Two of them are from when he was head coach, and the last one is from – or the first one is when he was an offense coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons when they blew that lead 28-3. to um so i'll present those facts here if you're watching you can you can see this on spotify or uh youtube but if you're listening we'll be detailed as possible um yeah here's here we go kyle shanahan in his in in his three super bowl appearances the first one offensive coordinator for the atlanta falcons blew a 25 point lead in super bowl 51 i wouldn't put that completely on him but that's we're just going to read these he blew a 10 point lead in super bowl 54 um against the chiefs and then blew a 10-point lead in Super Bowl 58 against the Chiefs. And this guy, James Nagel, uh, says it's time to call Shanahan and the 49ers exactly what they are, the biggest choke artists in NFL history. Um, personally, I'll open up with a statement on this. I think that's a load of crap. I really do. I don't think that Kyle Shanahan is a choke artist. I think if you're going to look at a choke artist, you look at other um, – teams in the NFL that didn't make it as far as Kyle Shanahan because not a lot of coaches make it to a Super Bowl, let alone um, it is so hard to get there in the first place. We've heard a lot of analysts talk about, you know, how difficult it is to to get to that point in the Super Bowl. But um, Kyle Shanahan, the last three years, has had one of the best rosters and, and coached teams and schemes in the NFL. And that is not something that is common. So to see him get into the Super Bowl for the third time, second time as his head coach, and both times played the best quarterback in football. And all three times he's appeared in the Super Bowl, he's had a different quarterback. 
Colin Kaepernick, Jimmy G, Brock Purdy. I mean, Matt that's Ryan. impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Matt Ryan, not Colin Kaepernick. That was Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Matt Ryan. Um, as <laughs> major difference there. Major, major difference. <laughs> major difference um, in what jersey number they wear. Um, and so it, it just, to me, I think it's silly. I think it's recency bias. I think it's overreaction because it's all fun and games until you play Patrick Mahomes in, in that, in that moment, in that circumstance. And the only person to ever really beat Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady. And, you know, we'll kind of get into that a little bit more, but, you know, just to shatter the script on this, Kyle Shanahan is an outstanding coach. He is he has, I would say, the number one, if not top three, offensive scheme in the NFL. He has accumulated, along with John Lynch, one of the greatest rosters in the past three years. Um, he knows how to utilize his players effectively in a scheme. You think of a guy like Devo, who's a utility guy, who really it doesn't really identify as a wide receiver as a whole, but they utilize him to get plus a thousand yards in, in receiving, plus a 500 yards or so in rushing, 10 plus touchdowns. You know. Christian McCaffrey, the best running back all year. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, coming in here. One of the best statistical quarterbacks of this year. Was an MVP candidate for a while. That That's not easy to do. That always falls back on coaching because we blame a lot of the faults of the Dallas Cowboys back on coaching with the talent that they have on the roster. Um, but, yeah, I want to open the panel up to um, – I'll, I'll start with the analysts here. You know, your reactions on Kyle Shanahan, you know, this narrative here. Is there a script to be shattered? Or do you agree um, with what kind of what not exactly what this guy's saying, but, you know, along the lines of, hey, he could he could do a better job here against whether it be Patrick Holmes or somebody else? Well, I, I, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I agree with you on that part. Um, I think it's interesting to, you know, these, these stats do tell a story and each of this, these Super Bowls have an underlying issue in all of them. Um, you know, some decisions were made um, on Sunday that were maybe questionable or some things happened in the game that just didn't break the 49ers way. And that's the exact same thing happened in 54. May I remind you that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo took that shot. I can't remember who the receiver was, but it was just out of reach to put them in a game winning situation in 54. And then the uh, the Falcons one is just a, that one was a huge breakdown on all fronts but um you know there are some stats out there that might say that he's the biggest choke artist in the nfl history but it's one of the stats that i always go back to is when he's trailing the fourth his record's like one in 37 yeah <clears throat> but the thing is he's not not really ever trailing in the fourth quarter so while i do think that you know those three super bowls are going to loom over his head as like a coach that's you know, maybe not able to finish it, but the thing is, is you got to think about kind of all the points you made. He's got a really great roster and he's a great coach that puts together game plans that just breaks down the other teams in the NFL that are really good, like the Cowboys, like the Eagles. I mean, the thing you got to think about what they did to the, the other good teams in the NFL this year. But on, on top of that, I think the last thing I would add is, uh, you know, you got to think about his coaching tree too, and all the successes that come off of him. Um, you know, you've got Sean McVay, yeah, with the Rams, he won a Super Bowl. Matt Lafleur um, with the Packers. You've got uh, Mike McDaniel with the 
with the Dolphins, Bobby yeah. Slowick with the Texans, who, I mean, you go look at all the rewards this year. D'Amico Ryans as well. D'Amico Ryans. You go look at all the awards this year and who are their nominees. I mean, that episode where me and you were talking about yeah, um, yeah. who's all up there. I mean, you, you got people that are thriving in the NFL off of his coaching tree. So would he be the biggest choke artist in the NFL? No. Um, there's definitely – I mean, our team, for one, is one that you could put <laughs> up there. Or you could say Lamar Jackson, too, or maybe even Josh Allen. But, um, like – their coaches are could be on the chopping block as well. But, you know, I think it's a little bit I, – I could see the argument, but I think it's a little bit out of reach. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the, and the medical guy? Yeah, I think this has been a, a, an egregious overreaction right here, saying the biggest choke artist in NFL history. And the reason why is when you think of, like, someone, it, like, choking in a game is, like, they don't show up or – they make terrible decisions or there's just something just odd happens that causes like a, a big swing in the game and whatnot. And I mean, if you, if you look at every, you know, every Super Bowl appearance and even last year when both his quarterbacks got hurt, I mean, he, he easily could have been back to back in the Super Bowls. Right. Yeah. And excuse me. And so that's where I, to me, that's where I don't think I don't think it's it's more choke artists. It's just he got I mean, he got beat by some of the best quarterbacks and some of the best teams and head coaches to play. And to me, like if we compare it to like the Dallas Cowboys, when saying choke artists, it's like Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, the coaching, the scheme, the play calling. Like we went away from what worked or we did something that was odd that wasn't wasn't putting us in the best situation. If you look at the stats here. I mean, we've argued back and forth about who the best player or who the number one driver is in this offense and whatnot, or even that defense. Um, and, you know, we go with Christian McCaffrey. Well, it wasn't from a lack of him getting the ball or getting targets. We go with Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, he didn't have the best game, but they were throwing the ball to him. Same with Debo. I mean, they tried to get the ball to him. The only only stat you could look at where it's like, well, what's up there is like George Kittle. Like, why yeah. was he not getting more? But we saw that he was dinged up. And so, you know, it just – I wouldn't necessarily call it a choke job because in the last few Super Bowls he's been in, especially the last two, um, you know, he's had the injuries. And I know we were talking about it before the pod, like even in this game, like losing someone like Drake Greenlaw. I mean, yeah. that's a huge swing. And we've talked about how great that linebacker core is. And to lose someone that's that pivotal in that big of a game uh, at, at defense. Uh, and I mean, we saw it multiple times, like, as soon as that uh, the backup linebacker came in, I mean, immediately he was targeted. And so, yeah. to me, a, a choke job would be like failing and doing something completely odd or, or changing your coaching scheme or going away from what you're good at or, or just doing something different because, you know, it got into crunch time. And I just don't think he does that here. And so, to say that's a, a, one of the biggest choke artists, I mean, it, and I don't want to say at least he's making it, but like, he, he, they essentially have a step below a dynasty right now. I mean, in the last seven years, six years, they've been a top team. They've yeah. made mm -hmm. it to there or they've been a step below. So to me, I just think that's kind of absurd to say. Uh, but of course, he's probably doing it for clicks. So, yeah, you know, that's the point to me, that's just crazy. One of yeah, the that things that I think you can add to that is like, think of, if you want to say NFL history, I was just talking about today, but NFL history. 
let's not forget the 90s when the Bills went to four <laughs> Super Bowls and lost all four. Yeah, so, I literally have that pulled up right now. Uh, 90, 91, 92, 93, all made Super Bowls, all lost. And the worst one, yeah. I think, was to the Giants. They lost 21 to 20 or 20 to 19 or something. So that, that to me is – that's just – that's tough. Yeah, that's yeah. Tough. That's a brutal, that's a brutal go at it for sure. I mean, and you know, to your point, you know, the guy that filled in for Dre Greenlaw, I think they targeted him nine times in pass coverage <laughs> and nine catches were committed or whatever. I mean, it's just yeah, I mean, he they're like, Yeah, he's the problem. So you can't blame it on one guy, but I mean, I mean, Dre Greenlaw, that is if that dude comes out the game, you're attacking that all game long. And oh, yeah. credit to the Chiefs coaching staff for noticing that um unfortunate injury. Um, and then exploiting it as a weakness offensively um, and really catching their fire in the second, in the second half. Um, but yeah. Okay. So that's kind of our side of the script on Kyle Shanahan. And we'll get more into depth a little bit in the Super Bowl as well. When we start talking about that, when we want to move into the DB list and that's presented by the medical guy and none other than probably Dre Greenlaw is on that list of, uh, of injuries to, to diagnose here. Um, but we're all curious to know, the DB list who, who makes the list. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to mention a couple cause I know there's a few written down and I'll, I'll kind of let y'all talk about y'all's possible DB list candidates as well. Um, but my first one is going to be, and I know we all saw the video of Jackson Mahomes getting denied by Brittany Mahomes uh, <laughs> yeah. in the club or whatnot. And then like, she looks over kind of shoulder shrugs and then just starts dancing. And I'm like, man, yeah. it's a tough yeah. look for, for a family member. Um, yeah, definitely. especially like it wasn't like they were outside the club or anything. It was like Jackson Mahomes, bodyguard, Brittany Mahomes. And she was like, nah, get out. And, and just yeah. kept going on her way. So that's a, that's a pretty bad look. Um, especially, you know, that's, it's literally her brother-in-law and, and whatnot. So that, that's tough. Uh, and then obviously my second one is going to be Drake, uh, Drake uh, Greenlaw. Obviously, not for making fun of him, but that's just a tough injury. And it was very just strange how it happened. I mean, the dude's fired up, getting ready to go on defense or whatever. And, I mean, does something that's not even – I don't want to say it's unathletic, but it's not like a football move or anything. He's just kind of popping up on his feet and hitting a jog out there, and then, boom, snap, pop, and he's out. And yeah. the tough thing about that is, like, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how he recovers – coming in the next year and whatnot but yeah here's here's the video and i mean you could just i mean we've we've gone on before but it's like nothing crazy i mean he does that every he does that every play essentially that he's on defense with probably even more intensity and for that to happen you know that's you know that's just a tough look for the guy also if you want to throw on the db list whoever the medical cart or sponsored the medical cart for dre greenlaw Probably need to get a big, a bigger med cart. Um, you know, you're getting around all these huge individuals, and it was so small that that Drake Greenlaw just hopped in the front seat with him, uh, rather than riding on the back uh, of the cart and whatnot. So, so you know, yeah, that's exactly. just a tough that's look fun. for him. Um, that's sad, man. I mean, yeah, I know. You've been working your entire life, and you're getting pumped and ready to go, like. You know, because at the beginning of the game, they were balling. Like the defense yeah. for the Niners was balling. And you're, you know, you're getting ready to go out there. And like he's right there next to his, you know, his bro, Fred Warner. Like that's the guy I play next to. You know, there's a connection there. And you, 
you pop your leg. Like I, I felt really bad for him. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that wraps up the couple people I had on mine. I know Jared, you had Debo written down. I know Ryan and I talked about uh, one uh, prior to getting on the pod. So I'll let you, I'll take it away with y'all's own DB list. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Debo one was more like, <clears throat> it was more of the injury. Cause I saw you had that non-contact one um, and that was brutal. Um, but my DB list candidate is actually, it's, it's one that I kind of thought of a, on the spot. Um, and it was, Ice Spice. So I don't know if y'all saw this, but um, uh, uh, Jason Kelsey was in the booth with uh, Taylor Swift and Ice Spice and goes up and gives Taylor Swift a big hug and looks to Ice Spice and they're like, yeah, you know, this is her. And he's just like, puts his hand out and gives her like a handshake. Like, yeah. And Twitter did its its best. Oh my God. Yeah, those are so funny. Yeah, so I've heard your song about the Graw. Is that what it's called or whatever? And just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, making all these jokes about who Ice Spice was. And um, and and we'll get uh, – because I want to get into more in the track ranking about Twitter because when I say – and Ryan was watching it with me, the analyst. And I was just like laughing in my chair because I was just scrolling through, through X and I'm like, this is hilarious. I mean, the amount of – the different types of tweets that we saw from – from start start to finish, just about Cowboys Twitter too. Um, how the Chiefs were uh, were were doing ritualistic activities during halftime, like <laughs> that. Uh, Twitter their X was hilarious during the Super Bowl. Um, so shout out to all the you know those guys out there that were they were posting during the Super Bowl. That was hilarious. So yeah, Ice Spice is on my DB list because you know she met the greatest center of all time and was just like. You know, the guy that has no idea who you are or, or cares. And he's pissed drunk, you know, falling yeah. onto palm trees. <laughs> yeah, you know? I guess you could yeah. I guess you could throw like uh, Jason Kelsey's liver on the DB list because of all the videos that <laughs> I thought about like that dude, that dude. It's like, you know, like us on our bachelor party trips, like there's no hour or minute that you don't have a drink in your hand kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like that for like. Uh, you know, like three days. I actually, I have a buddy that worked for uh, Skycam, and he got to work the uh, the Super Bowl, obviously, and would like sending us pictures and whatnot. And it was like six hours before the game, and Jason Kelsey was in that box, like beer in hand. And I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, yeah, this guy's yeah. a tank, dude." Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine. Like, I can't imagine. Like, you know, there's always like the box where they show the whatever box they're looking at. And there's like a couple beers up there, like a random like wine drink. If there's like women in there, <laughs> I would love to see in like the fourth quarter in front of Jason <laughs> Kelsey. And I know like you know all my lineman friends used to do it. I would have loved to see his beer, his uh, beer yeah. garden. How many like empty beers he would have had sitting there? They wouldn't Probably be serving like him. Twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the whole. They just bring him a whole like thirty rag and be like, "Oh, Mr. Kelsey, here's yours." Yeah, yeah. You just know, sitting you know there at halftime, like, why the hell is <laughs> is Prince performing at halftime? Or, you know, who the well, hell is Michael Jackson? Because if they had like you know those stadium guys, you know the I hope it, and they got one of those. Yeah, still on some beer. They just put one in front of Kelsey. Yeah, like, yeah. whole tray, the whole half. tray. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, my DB list that I had on there was Kyle Shanahan. For what we talked about earlier, uh, that really sucks to be him. Yeah. But the other one was Debo. But for another reason that Jared named was like <laughs> Debo got 
all the heat from like all the Eagles. I don't know if you saw what Fletcher Cox said. Oh, he went yeah. after Devo. <laughs> Devo was like, you know, I'm holding this in. You know, you a joke. You, you know, like, you got your ass smacked. You know, all that. So I thought that was funny. But uh, the other on the DVOS that I had was her playing the guitar. Yeah, you know, yeah. We were talking about HER. Clearly not playing the guitar, and everybody's like, "Look at her, she's shredding." And then there's like Jared said it. Everybody on X was like, "Dog, she is not playing that guitar. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. is not doing that. Not fooling anybody." So, and then I think the last one I had was Usher, and clearly he was wanting to take a take Alicia Keys to the back room. Yeah, <laughs> they was yeah. down bad, and whoever Alicia Keys' wife or husband is, you know, he was sitting at home like, I, I he'd be he was shaking. For sure. He was yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Police come home. When's your flight? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I fell asleep. My phone died. It's yeah. like, oh, no. Oh, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, something was going on there. Uh, but you up? Usher, Usher, Usher was trying, trying to riz up Alicia Keys on stage. And it was definitely evident. So, yeah. That, yeah right. That's really all I had on the DB list for, for my end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's the DB list. So we'll, we'll, we'll transition into the stat analysis presented by the analyst. Um, and you had a couple of cool stats we were talking about off air that we wanted to bring on to the show. Um, yeah. and, and you have them, um, according to source. <laughs> <laughs> you made, you made them. And you, you made them. them. Yeah. This is all you. Uh, right. That's all. Oh, sorry, I was trying to pull it up. I thought you were still making jokes. Uh, yeah, so I just have a, I just have a couple interesting stats that I saw on Twitter, and I, I think thought it'd be cool to share. Uh, okay, yeah, man. I've, I've got them. so uh, one of the ones that I think that I'd like to share first is the Niners had three opportunities to grab control of that game in the third quarter, starting with the Mahomes pick at the very beginning. To me, that's Jared can attest to this. When that happened, I was like, "This was their opportunity to punch Mahomes in the mouth." Like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he just threw that ball up into oblivion, and they got picked off. And the Niners had it up forty. They came out with zero points. And then, then the next one was, you know, it was the Mahomes pick, the punt way down in their end zone, and then they got the same exact scenario where they got Mahomes backed up. They had to punt the ball, and they're basically in plus territory all three times. And those three times, three straight, three and out, gained negative two yards in those three combined possessions. So they wasted three drives up by yeah. ten where they couldn't make anything happen. And yeah. I think that's a testament to my next stat. So I was telling Jared earlier that um, I saw another stat that all year, anybody that played the Niners, and we can attest this as Cowboy fans, was like, all year, everybody that played the Niners played cover two, cover three, zone coverages, where there was like not even hybrid zones, but just zone coverages because nobody wanted to man down against Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, you know, all the stars they had. Well, in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs played 25% of the time or 22% of the time they played cover zero, and 24% of the time they played cover one. Both of those cover obviously cover zero. There's nobody over the top. It's man down. Cover one, you have one guy that's playing three over the top, usually a safety. So that tells you two things. One, they were not afraid 
to try and make Brock Purdy win that game. And two, yeah. they blitzed a ton. And that's that's Stag's whole the defense. And it was yeah. very evident later in the game that you know Brock Purdy couldn't get a ball off. Brock Purdy was struggling. Um, he kind of became one-dimensional, and it just really put an end to anything the Niners were trying to do, which Jacob made this point during the game. We were kind of talking about it. It's like it was very weird play calling, you know, late in the game because in the first half, the Niners should have been, you know, they were running the ball with McCaffrey, and it was big runs, five, six-yard gains, seven-yard gains, where it was putting the uh, Niners in great territory to, you know, make a play-action pass or whatever. That all stopped in the second half. There was just yeah. nothing going on for for the Niners. Um, so here's another stat I have. Is and this goes into these stats just keep rolling into each other. So Mahomes in 18 career playoff postseason games, 41 touchdowns and eight interceptions. <laughs> so if you look at it in that's basically a full NFL season. That's an MVP worthy season in the playoffs against the best teams in the NFL. By far. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's that's crazy. So that leads into what everybody's talking about now, the GOAT talk. And I think this is very interesting. So, you know, this is Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. And I'm going to skip over most of these that everybody's talking about right now. MVPs, Mahomes has got two, Brady's got zero. Uh, this is their first six years of their NFL career. So, obviously, Brady wants some MVPs. He has all the Super Bowls. But this is just Tom Brady's first six and Mahomes' first six. Okay. So, Mahomes has two MVPs to Brady's zero. Three Super Bowls, three Super Bowls for both. MVP, Super Bowl MVPs. Mahomes, three. Brady, two. Four appearances in the Super Bowl for Mahomes. Three for Brady. Playoff appearances, Mahomes has made it every year he's been a starter. Brady had five. Six Pro Bowls for Mahomes, three Pro Bowls for Brady. Two first-team All-Pros for Mahomes, zero for Brady. Wow. And then these are the, the ones that I think matter the most. This is what I was talking about earlier before we started the pod. Like, you can talk about passing yards – Yards per attempt, touchdown passes, like completion percentage. Like to me, that all is kind of circumstantial. And by the way, Mahomes beats Brady in all three of those or all of those stats. But these are the ones that make or break to me, like that make a difference. Top five in yards, Mahomes four, Brady one. Top five in touchdowns, Mahomes four, Brady three. Top five in EPA per play. And this is the new stat that everybody talks about. It's expected point average. So it's like when you make a play, how much does it change the game? And this is huge for Mahomes. Five for Mahomes in his first six years, two for Brady. So well, yeah. to me, that just goes back to what like what I was talking about throughout the entire year. It's like – or what my argument for Brady was – a long time ago was Brady's always had really good defenses and hasn't really had to do a ton in terms of like a lot of his playoffs career. The only one you can really say is 28 to three. Yeah. But if you go look at Brady's stats and like the playoffs versus Mahomes stats, they're completely different quarterbacks. And this is the first year that Mahomes had that a really, really, really good defense. And Mahomes still like, if you watch that game, and we'll get into the game, but if you watch that game, 
Mahomes did everything. I mean, he yeah. was making he was the plays. Yeah. Yes. So I think those stats are interesting. I know it's a little yeah. early to be calling Mahomes a goat, but, you know, personally to me, you just watch both of them play. You know, we, we grew up watching Brady. We're watching Mahomes now. Like, if you told me who to pick, I would 100 times say Mahomes. So, yeah. It's just not, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, so. a, and a thing to add to that is like, and I think we can all kind of agree on this. Like when anybody asks, asked who the best quarterback in the league right now, it's Mahomes, right? Yeah. yeah. Talent wise, winning wise, whatever. With Brady, you always have what Manning, Rogers, like all of them were better talent wise. And I think you said this before about Aaron Rodgers, like he's one of the most talent, like gifted yes. quarterbacks where right now Mahomes is both. Mahomes yeah. is like best winning quarterback, best clutch quarterback, and has, I mean, every bit of talent in the world. And I think that's where it's starting to make that conversation even closer than what it already is. Yeah. 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 100%. And those are, and that's a great stat presentation there because it, yeah. it tells you like the potential for, for greatness for Patrick Mahomes and that you're watching a, a, a dynasty. And this is a team that's young. Too. I mean, it's not a team that's like we're full of veterans. And I get that. I get that their most essential piece on offense is, you know, Travis Kelsey, who's getting up there in age. Um, but we've seen Mahomes do it with a whole lot less. We've seen Mahomes do it with a lot. We've seen the only thing we haven't seen is Mahomes do it without Andy Reid, which I'm not sure if that was. I mean, that's the only if you really want to like. I guess separate the two in terms of whenever Andy Reid departs, because you know Brady left Belichick, and Belichick wasn't the same, and won a Super Bowl at you know forty something years old for the Tampa Bay Bucks on in his first year there or whatever, and that was kind of the holy holy shit, like man, all those doubters are kind of proven wrong sort of deal. Yeah, but I mean, you know we've also seen Andy <laughs> Reid without Mahomes, and Mahomes is. I'm sorry, Andy Reid's teams were were stellar. They were good teams. Um, yeah. So I think you can make the argument. It would be a fun thing to talk about in the offseason and an argument between Andy Reid and Bill Belichick because um, those are – That's, that's another one, That's a fun argument. argument. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, But, yeah, you know, that's that's an eye-opener there, and it's something that it's like – and there's a lot of context in between there as well, like in terms of that it is a passing league now more than it is a pro-style league. Um, and it's just, I guess – I'm just, I'm not picking an opinion when I'm saying that. I'm just saying, you know, we keep our eyes open for that where it's like, okay, well, the game was a lot different back then than it was today. And the talent level today might be, you know, I wouldn't say it's more impressive, but it's, um, it's, it's a, it's just a different game. So um, much more higher scoring, but Mahomes, you can just clear it. Like, like a medical guy said, he's the best of both worlds. He's the the most talented and he's the, the, the most successful. So, um, and yeah. the last point I'll make is, uh, and the kid and I were talking about this today is if you go back to our, I believe it's our first episode that we ever made of the Rook and the Kid podcast. We had a clip that we made where we talked about Patrick Mahomes being the greatest, you know, quarterback in the league and said to argue with your closet door or, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And, it, you know, it was one of our first clips we ever did. So going back to last year, around this time, we talked about this exclusively. And, you know, now we're here, hindsight's 2020, and nothing's changed. So um, shout out to the Rook and the Kid um, for, I guess, hammering that down 
before it was, I guess, certified today. So, um, <laughs> well, let's get into some highlights from the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Um, unless the analyst, did you do you have like a final comment there? I know you were, might wanted to say something, but no, I was just going to say the only the other thing that makes that Andy Reid, Bill Belichick argument kind of cool is that um, I've seen a set stat too where it's like people taking three year spans of because this this was the conversation with the Bills this past year. It's like what other teams in a three year span have been so successful but haven't seen the Super Bowl. One of those teams is the late and great Bills. They they're the three one of the best teams in a three year span, like statistically in a lot of areas that haven't made a Super Bowl. Um, one of the ones that was lower on that list is the Cowboys now the last three years. The other one that's intriguing, intriguingly on that list in the last couple of years, the Philadelphia Eagles that were coached by Andy Reid in the late 2000s, early yeah, 2010s, I think, with McNabb, Deshaun Jackson, Michael Vick era, where they were one of the best teams. They just didn't make the Super Bowl. So that I, yeah. thought, I think that's pretty interesting to say. Like, you know, you can say that Andy Reid has had success elsewhere without Mahomes to say like, yeah, he's a, he's a great coach. I mean, who yeah. wouldn't take him tomorrow? So yeah, that's really, yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So some highlights from the Super Bowl in Vegas, there was a couple of, I guess, TV spots. There was a couple of events. Um, and I know there was a, you know, there was a lot out there and I was going to pick, you know, one and kind of talk about it and what I thought was the most entertainment uh, entertaining from a entertainment standpoint. Um, and then you guys, you know, I kind of have a list on there on our, on our outline, um, and just kind of what you thought was a, was one of the best highlights from the Super Bowl. Um, honestly, if I had to choose, I don't know why this one caught my attention because I've kind of checked out of this, um, part of, um, entertainment and that's the Marvel universe. And so I, I, you know, yeah. for the longest time after Endgame, I've just been, grilling marvel for all the failures that they've basically come out with and you know whether it be tv shows movies you know all all of it um you know horrible reviews from yeah they just got grilled and they come out with the deadpool wolverine trailer and i was like i watched this like i'm curious because i they're going to come out with this trailer and you know i know they're bringing wolverine back and hugh jackman and, and um ryan reynolds could be a really cool combo I watched the tra trailer and the, you know, they got the TVA involved from the Loki series, which I thought that was kind of, kind of neat and to have a way for him to access, you know, the MCU. But anyway, the, the, the part in the trailer that I thought was hilarious that took, took it away. And it was a perfect way of, uh, I guess, scripting it is uh, when Ryan Reynolds says, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm Marvel. I'm Marvel Jesus. You know, I'm here to <laughs> basically save the day. I'm like, you know, honestly, if there's anybody that can do it, it's a guy like Deadpool who no one's had a single complaint about in his movies. And, um, you know, to pair him with a guy like Hugh Jackman in the, the comic style suit yes. is, is super banger. So yeah. I yeah. personally, I probably will be buying a ticket to go watch that movie in theaters. Uh, even yeah. I really don't go for theaters anymore um and this one actually caught my attention i was like okay let's see it's probably going to be i mean i've been hype about something else before you know in marvel universe and it's like oh that's like doctor strange movie i was like okay this could be legit 
I watched it. Maybe I said, all right, I'm done. Like I'm done <laughs> with this crap, but just to go watch it for an entertainment standpoint, I'm not really going to keep track of Marvel, but yeah. that was a badass trailer. It's a badass scheme. It looks like, and uh, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jack look like they're going to be a pretty good pair. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So anything from the medical guy, any highlights that you saw, you know, if it was the same one or. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into too many of the media side of it because some of those are on my, my track breaking. But uh, I will talk a little bit on like what you're saying about Marvel and this. I think this is the right move. Um, but I agree with you. Like, you know, when Avengers and all that were coming out, like we were all big into that. And then mm-hmm. after that, when they went to that phase four or five or whatever, and that's my point, is it just it was just too much shit. Like yeah. you couldn't keep up with it. Like, you know, the Loki one was good, but like you had time to watch it. But then it was like four or five other different like spinoffs or whatever came out at the same time. And it's like, hey, you got to watch this one to be up with it. And it's like, dude, like, please, like, just give me a second <laughs> to breathe, man. Like, and so that's where I've kind of fallen off on Marvel. It's just like, I don't have the time to watch, you know, five different uh, series uh, yeah. about random shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> just, just make them make some like, like, obviously, everybody likes Loki. Like that was a, a pivotal character in all the yeah. Thors and all the Avengers and whatnot. And no offense yeah. to like, I think I think the other good one I watched was like, was it Moon Knight or something like that? Yeah, yeah. That, that one Knight. I thought was good, but then some of the other ones I'm like, dude, this is just like, I don't yeah, she's yeah. I thought the yeah. I thought the one I watched. Uh, I forget the name of it, but the the yeah. one about the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, and, that, one was- uh, <laughs> that one was that one was bad. Um, I thought I actually I agree with both y'all. I thought Loki was pretty cool. Like I, I loved yeah. everybody loved Loki's character. He's always kind of been an underwritten, like you're saying, an underwritten character in all of the Marvel movies. And they kind of gave him his his flowers in like the later Avenger movies, where he became kind of a Thor's right right hand guy. But like all the all the stuff past that, like I I just could not do the the uh, what's his name. Yeah, I mean, lost his name. Uh, Doctor Strange movie was horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the bad. you know, like I don't care about Miss Marvel. I'm sorry, I'm not going to watch her spinoff. The one that they oh, the new one. With, yeah, hell yeah, no. The one, the one <laughs> where they came that came out right before all the Avengers ones, just so that she could be in the Avengers was trash. Um, <laughs> I think part of what played a big part in that too is like all of her interviews with the like people on there are like like thor you know captain america all the guys that play them you know they're all enjoying the interviews and she's over there trying to bicker about how she's the strongest avenger and like leonard or chris hemsworth's just sitting there like shut up you know who cares so it just it was it was becoming too in my opinion it was becoming too woke like it was getting way too far just way oh. out there, yeah. I agree. I agree. You're right. You're right. Nobody but wants to I, see that shit. They just want I to see agree. Captain America's shield in somebody's mouth. You know. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, I think that I, I I saw that trailer and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go watch that. You know, but yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. That Deadpool is. I thought that we all thought that was a pretty cool trailer. It sounds like. Um, yeah. Okay, and then our thoughts on like I get our thoughts on Usher, you know the Usher halftime show. Um, well, hold on, we didn't get to share our medical guy. Didn't get to finish. Oh, well, I thought he was going to save a couple for the for the track ranking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but okay. well, I guess the one good thing about like what because I was working technically, so I didn't get to like 
I'm like sitting in a dugout watching a softball game with like the, the phone propped up, like, you know, and like no sound. So a lot of that bullshit I didn't have to hear. Um, and so that was nice. But I did get to see like a couple of uh, the commercials that I liked. But some of the other stuff I heard, like there were some commercials. That, I think it was like the, was it the Duncan one or something? Yeah. yeah that everybody yeah. liked. Yeah. Everybody liked. And I was just like, what the, like it. It was like an acid trip for me. I was like, "What is like? What's going on in this commercial?" Yeah. And so That's, I was, was like, "One of the better ones, I would say." Yeah. Well, when you watch it with no sound, I was like, "I don't know what's going on here." So this kind of <laughs> sucks, man. And I'm just like, "Okay, whatever." Like, so, but so, really, I don't have too much to touch on besides that. And then the few I watched, which I'm sure y'all be able to guess them when it gets to it. But the rest of them are on my track ranking. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and then you know, I thought since we wear true brand <laughs> on this on this podcast, and we're obviously Dallas Cowboys fans, um, shout out to Post Malone, you know, yeah. for repping the true brand and the Dallas Cowboys jacket and stuff um, prior to the game, and he did an outstanding job performing um, his his song that he played out there, and um, he's got a very underrated voice. Um, yeah. And I believe you could, you know, he was doing a great job. He was actually strumming the guitar, you know, um, <laughs> in, in his performance, which I thought was cool. But what I thought was interesting about it was, you know, he's strumming and it sounded, you know, kind of steel guitarist, kind of country. And I know there's rumors out there that, and I, I get it, he ain't a country artist, that he's going to come out with a country album. I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere. So I'd listen to it. I'd listen to it because, you know, uh, I don't, he came out with that YouTube spot uh, a while back about I'm going fishing the, the Brad Paisley cover. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss her and and then um, where the crown was another one and he killed both of them and it was oh yeah legit. Um, so that'd be cool. I mean, shout out to Post Malone. You know, wearing the true brand hat that's big brand marketing for for a, a fun company which we rep on this podcast. And we want to you know eventually. Talk to you about a future, you know, collaboration if possible. <laughs> um, and he he killed it out there. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the clip where he, Brittany Mahomes told him to take off the jacket for I think the after party where he was performing, and he was wearing the Cowboys one, so he took it off for one um, for one song, and then went right back to the Cowboys jersey. Um, so that was cool. But yeah. Um, okay, we'll get into the Usher halftime performance, and obviously this is a big highlight. It's something that you know. We always we always talk about it's just the greatest you know halftime performance of all time. Every year it's the same narrative. You know thoughts you know on the on the Super Bowl performance halftime. Um, yeah, Usher, you know that boy was sweating bullets for one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. that boy looked like he had a like he just got out of the sauna. And yeah, he was he was on that he was on that uh, uh, 1990s Dallas Cowboy ibuprofen that they used to take before games for sure like he was on that he was on that booger sugar let me tell you that like he was sweating and the the quote where he was like you know mama you know i made it you know look where we're at and i was like you better hope you make it through the the rest of the performance brother (laughs) you might have made it here you gotta finish heart rate was up yeah yeah. (laughs) alicia keys you know came out of nowhere and he used heart drop for him um i don't blame him either but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but if you, I guess you were, if you were to rate it um, from one to ten, I'll start with the analyst here for the because I know he might have the most critical um, of Usher's performance. If you had to rate it, rate it from one to ten, what would you give it? I'd give it a, like a five. I thought it was entertaining enough. 
and like everybody's like, moving oh. around. <laughs> like, yeah, like my whole point is, is like I don't really feel like he was singing. He was just singing his ad libs, which is fine. But like to me, it's it just wasn't. He was juggling. It wasn't like I talking. Um, like I, I guess one of the ones in recent memory that I actually really enjoyed was like the Snoop Dogg, Eminem, you know, Fifty Cent. That one was cool. This one I just was like, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, there's Ludacris. Okay, cool. There's Alicia Keys, and here's Usher taking his shirt off. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Lil John. Yeah. Cool. I just... <laughs> but I wasn't like, I wasn't, I wasn't like blown away by his halftime performance. Yeah, Ludacris coming in was cool. Yeah, um, I did enjoy that. I, you know, Ludacris, he did a good job. Somebody said he looked like the guy from Dodgeball, from uh, <laughs> Ben Stiller's character from Dodgeball, <laughs> um, which is pretty damn good. But I don't know if y'all saw this as well. A little something happened in between. You know, some some fan in in the performance got launched like twenty feet in the air. Oh, I <laughs> saw that. Yeah, <laughs> they, they freaking launched him up in the air, and they're like, "Somebody, please, you know, check check and see if this guy's okay. Can we confirm?" <laughs> That this guy's all right. Um, okay, the medical guy, you're you're one out of ten rating. For- yeah, I'd say it's probably about a six. Um, I enjoyed it just because like he was he was really popular with you know growing up. Like a lot of those songs were super popular. You know, going through middle school, high school, and whatnot. Uh, and then just the people we brought on, especially Ludacris and Little John. Like I feel like that was kind of the right route to go to for like a Super Bowl, right? It's yeah. it's hype. It's rambunctious and stuff like that and so like i feel like i mean everybody's knows the iconic like little john like saying yeah like his voice is just iconic and like gets you going and whatnot and so i thought it was pretty good um i will agree with jared like brother was was sweating um but he was also like doing a lot like i thought that was impressive like he wasn't just sitting there with a microphone like he was there was a lot of choreographing and a lot of like on cue and planning and stuff that he really had to do. And so I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I would, I would have died during that. I know he didn't, but I, I would have died trying to do it. Yeah. That. I would have been on the ground. Yeah. 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 Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Yeah. Diet Coke. Yeah, Diet Coke. Uh, I'm going to go step up. I'm just going to say it was, uh, I probably give it as like a six, two. I, you know, I like to give the point, the decimal grades, um, the six, two on that. I thought it was cool that they brought Ludacris in. Uh, Alicia Keys did a good job performing when she came in. I would have given it a 10 out of 10 if Justin Bieber arrived. Um, of course. Uh, of course. You know, Justin Bieber, if he's there, everything's okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, 6-2. And it wasn't too bad. Um, and I'm glad he survived. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, okay. Well, let's get into the nitty-gritty of the recap of Super Bowl 58. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl 25 to 22 in overtime. Um, and so we'll kind of start from the top here. It honestly was a pretty boring first half. There wasn't a whole lot going on. It's a very yeah. it's like defense is kind of settling into the ball game. Um, linebackers on the 49ers were flying, flying around all over the place. Um, and I know the, I'll let the analyst kind of talk about this a little bit too, because I know he wanted to, um, he, he was shouting out Nick Bosa throughout the game and that he was an elemental role, um, in getting pressure and moving sideline to sideline. So shout out to, you know, him for, for doing all that. Was that a bubble? Holy God. Um, calm down random bubble that just popped up here. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was just sitting here and I was just like, 
I just saw it floating. I thought you know, I thought it was the fairy from Shrek too. I was like, oh. <laughs> fairy godmother. Um, uh, fairy godmother. Um, <laughs> um, but fun. <laughs> but five minutes. But. Um, <laughs> but um. Yeah. So anyway, the analysts, uh, your, your kind of first, your first impression, you know, I know Nick Bubs have played really well. The defenses were settling in uh, defensive battle in the first half. Um, how did you think it was, um, I guess, instrumental for both offenses to kind of get a rhythm in the second half to kind of get away from those nerves from the first half? Well, I think it just kind of speaks to how the, the chiefs play. Um, I think you, I was saying it before we got on the podcast, both both offenses made key changes that really played a huge role in this game. Um, for me, it was kind of taking the – for the Chiefs in the second half, it was taking the, the ball out of the hands of, like, Checo yeah. and just kind of letting Mahomes do his thing. Um, yeah. And then for the Niners, it was the complete opposite, taking the ball out of the hands of McCaffrey and trying to find offense elsewhere. And I just was kind of shocked because, like you said, the first half was kind of boring. But, I mean, look at it from the facts. The Niners were kind of all over the Chiefs in the first half. You know, they yeah, weren't yeah, I would agree. Mahomes too much. Um, there wasn't much offense at play on both sides. But when the Niners were giving the Cappies ball in the first half, there was a, there was a lot of offense rolling. So, um, for them at least, there was yeah, ball despite movement. The fumble. Uh, yes. sorry, d- d- despite the fumble. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean – it was really just kind of a testament to how the Niners were, and they pointed out multiple times on the or on the broadcast. But um, the Niners were doing a, Bosa and Chase Young were doing a really good job containing Mahomes, not letting him get out of the pocket, forcing him to make throws, and it was working really good for him. But all that kind of went away in the second half when you know Mahomes started breaking free, Mahomes started using his legs, and that was a really big game changer. For them, but um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of blown away by how the Chiefs were able to. I mean, they, but I guess what I would say is I was blown away by the Chiefs being able to stick around, but they've been doing that throughout the entire playoffs. Yeah, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Mahomes made a nasty interception. The Niners had multiple opportunities to to score in, in situations where they're either in plus territory or had good field positioning. Had momentum, whatever, and the not and the Chiefs basically stuck around, and I think that's kind of a testament to their playoff run. You go look at when they played the Ravens, did the same thing. Um, you look at the Bills' offense and the Bills during that game; they did the same thing, where they just kind of stuck around and then won it in the end. So, I mean, that's I think that's kind of the name of the game here is they were never the out Chiefs, of the fight. No, yeah. they they just kind of took some shots, stood in there, and. And then delivered the last shot at the end to, to seal it. So we can get down into the, like the specifics, but that's my overall summary. Yeah. yeah, I know the medical guy wanted to talk a little bit about Isaiah Pacheco because I know um, there was a lot of yards, you know, left on the field. Um, so yeah, I'd let, I'll let you talk about Pacheco and what else you saw in the in this game. Yeah, um, and I said it, and I had basically two comments about the game about each team's like running back or, or running attack and they were complete opposites of the other. Um, I thought, 
and it plays into what Ryan was is, was saying is that they, the the Chiefs seem like they tried to establish the run game so hard, and Isaiah Pacheco was just not having a day. Like there was plenty of I thought the Chiefs' O line did a great job running, obviously. Now they did what they could against the pass rush who was on fire for a majority of the game um, for the 49ers. But like just watching that, like Pacheco was just making bad reads. He was, it seemed like, it seemed like he was running as if they were up by two scores rather than down. Like it was just like, Oh, like, you know, get what yards you can. Like don't make, don't make the bounce out. Don't make the right read go into a different, like not reading the scheme well. And it was just, it was frustrating because it was there. Like you could watch it. Like it was there for him to get, you know, six, seven plus yards. And he's in here running into the ass of everybody and getting two. I mean, he ran, I have the stat pulled up, 18 carries for 59 yards. His longest run was for 10 yards. So you take that away, 17 for 49 yards. That's brutal. Yeah. And that's father. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's just like, why would we not move off of that earlier? Like to Ryan's point and just get the ball into your best player's hands, who we've talked about the best player in the league right now and have him spread the ball around. And when they did that in the second half and let him create plays, the offense opened up. There weren't any three and outs. There weren't, you know, Mahomes was still getting rushed, but he was able to move around and really kind of, keep those defensive linemen and those rushers in check. Um, And then what I have on the 49ers, and I I was pretty blunt when I said it, I was like, yeah, uh, Purdy shouldn't throw many more passes this game. And it was like, they came out and they were like, nah, we're going to try to establish this pass. And it was like, bro, bro, like McCaffrey was, was doing everything. I mentioned it before the pod. He had 30 touches for 106 yards, 160 yards and a touchdown. And his one touchdown pass, like that was that was all McCaffrey. Like he had one person blocking for him, and then had to make a guy miss, and then ran for twenty one yards for a, a TD. And so, I just don't know how. Like you know that's your best player. He's doing well. Your offensive line is is blocking very well, and you take the ball out of his hands. And so that that to me, I didn't necessarily agree with. And those were two sides on there, the running back position that definitely could have made and did make a big difference for either team. And I just didn't think they were either not using them right or they just weren't playing very well. Pacheco just did not play very well to me. So, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot left, you know, on the field in terms of yardage, not effort from Pacheco. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. And I, and I, yeah, you know that, but like to compliment what Ryan mentioned earlier about, you know, the coverages that the chiefs were that were running against, you know, Brock Purdy is that it forced Brock Purdy to make the throw. And if y'all remember, there was a couple of throws in there, um, you know, towards, you know, the goal line or like or 20 plus yards over where he had a guy open. And he just it looked like he wasn't aiming the throw. He was more just chunking it. Um, and and it's it's that that's how you play elite quarterback is you have to sit there in the pocket and take some pressure and deliver a solid throw downfield. And we saw it on three or four occasions in this game where Purdy just couldn't hit that throw. And and it was man-to-man coverage in those instances. Um, so I thought that was something to shout out there, you know, from the Chiefs defense and Spagnola's scheme is that Brock Purdy, you know, struggled to make the throw that was necessary, and not every quarterback can do it. I understand that. Um, but it was it was just noticeable. And then 
the one person I wanted to shout out here, and we talked about him most of the game, and he could have damn near won MVP for the first half. And no one was probably ever going to mention his name on ESPN or CBS or any major news outlet is Chris Conley on special teams for the San Francisco 49ers. That dude made probably four or five great plays on special teams. And we were just sitting here going, uh, and a good catch as well, you know, towards the sideline on offense. We're just sitting here like, you know, Chris Conley used to play for the Chiefs and be like a number two receiver and, you know, uh, had a contract and all that kind of stuff. And then he's out here playing special teams, balling out like he's, you know, uh, that uh, Patriots, you know, special teams guy. Um, you know, so shout out to him. I mean, that, I mean, for the first half, we were like, dude, this guy might win MVP for the amount of plays he's winning in the, yeah. for the first half, which was kind of funny. Um, and and then, of course, the last one, and I, we'll all kind of join together on this one because it was headline news um, in the Super Bowl was Kelsey at the beginning of the game bumping into Andy Reid. And, you know, I want to know y'all's thoughts on this, and I have the video. Um, so if you're watching, you can see it. But just this is just like complete – nonsense to me it just um it, when i first initially watched it you know and it, this is it they're you know they they get down to the field they take kelsey out of the game and a fumble happens for the chiefs and like we said the 49ers defense was kind of all over the chiefs in the first half and then you got you know kelsey saying you know my chick upstairs in that booth you know you gotta get me <laughs> on that my chicks here bro you can't take this shit away from me put me on the damn field and I have two deferring opinions on this, and I'll start with a negative one first. Is one you could have damn near killed the best coach of all time uh, if, <laughs> if, if you if you would have knocked Andy Reid off of his feet. There's no guarantee Andy Reid gets back up, and 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 I'm not you know I'm joking about that, but I could I mean that's not somebody you want to see. I've seen old football coaches fall over in, in my lifetime, and the analysts can attest can attest that. Um, and you, you didn't know. We thought we were going to have a death on the on the high school football field because of it. And it's just like it's a dangerous atmosphere. He's not that old, but you know, it just in that negative regard, it's it's like, dude, okay, we're, we're all trying to do the same thing here. We're all trying to accomplish the same task. You know, obviously, you're going to be on the field for 96 percent of the snaps. So calm your tits. Um, the positive aspect is this: is you can see that somebody really cares about winning. And really wants to be on the field and be a difference maker in this ball game. And he knows the elemental piece that he brings to this offense, and that he's a catalyst outside of Mahomes. And we saw that in the second half in the two minute drill, especially. And he almost had the exact stat line I predicted. You know, he had nine receptions for like 91 yards. He had that clutch catch, you know, to get him inside the 10 to give him opportunity to win the game before overtime. So those are the two sides of the fence, I would say, about about this, but I'm sure you guys have deferring opinions um, or similar opinions on this. And, you know, the, the medical guy, I'll, I'll start with you on this one uh, and give you a turn uh, about this. Yeah. It's similar to what you're saying. Like, obviously heat of the moment, everybody's fired up super bowl. He wants to make a play. We get it. Um, And I, I view this and working with sports all the time now is like, there's a way you go about it, obviously, whether it be coach to player, player to coach, like, making contact with your coach or making contact with your player. Like sometimes you got to chill out. Like, you know, don't, don't chest bump your coach, bro. Like that. Like that's, that's not a good look, dude. And the same regards go to like, as a coach, 
you don't push or you don't grab a player by the face mask like that. Like, yeah, if you're trying to get them to listen or whatever, smacking them real quick or something, but not like it, it can't be like that because, yeah, like you said, you push him over like like he falls over and that's a bad look. And so, like you said, like good thing he didn't. But like this is the head coach, too. It's not an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator or, or someone different like this dude's a head coach. He's 70 years old. Like you got to have a little bit of feel about you. Um, and so I just don't, I don't think it's a very good look. Uh, Andy Reed handled it probably as best as he could, you know, cause he easily could have, you know, been like, Hey, I'm, obviously you're not going to sit Travis Kelsey. He easily could have been like, Hey dude, like go chill the hell out. Like go sit yeah. down for a while. And even at the podium, he was like, he, I think he handled it very well you know, as a head coach should be like, Hey, dude's fired up. I get it. You know, I know he didn't mean it like that or wouldn't do it again or whatever. And I think he handled that well. And I'm sure you're, you'll hear Travis come out and say something about it as well, because he knows that's not a good look. He goes back and looks at that. He's going to be like, yeah, I definitely should have, shouldn't have done that because you do knock him over and he hurts himself. That's shitty. So that's kind of, that's kind of my take on it is like, get fired up. You can get in each other's faces and whatnot, yell at each other. But once you start, you start bumping each other or grabbing each other or anything like that, that's where it's like, Hey guys, calm, calm down. Like there's time and a place. This ain't it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And the analyst. Yeah. I think two things can be true at the same time. Going back to what we're talking about, you can be, you know, a fiery athlete, but you also kind of have to handle your shit in a, in a, and a team nature. Um, yeah. I mean, Jerry can attest to this. I was a pretty fiery guy when I played, but that's something that you should never do. You know, you can yeah. get in the face of your teammates. You can get in the face of, for my instance, my brothers, but I'm not going to sit there and embarrass myself or anybody else by grabbing a face mask. Now, I've never played in the Super Bowl, and obviously, <laughs> um, but like, you know, there's just a certain composure. And I think it's very well known that Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes all have a really good relationship. Yeah. Um, that's why I think it's true at the same time that there is a respect there. And that's the reason that Andy Reid handled it the way he did. But at the same time, um, I see Travis Kelsey's fire to win this game. But just a horrible way to go about bumping your coach and screaming in his face in the first quarter. Now, granted, this yeah. was right after Pacheco fumbled and Kelsey wasn't on the field. But, you know, there's that's that's exactly right what y'all are saying. There's just a way better way to handle this. You know, tensions are high. You have to t trust the coach that's gotten you here. You have to trust that the play calling is there. You know, if you're going to voice it, go up there. And, you know, I don't even mind screaming at him. You know, yeah. you know show the fire. And Andrew's going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll deal with that. Let's go. But bumping them is just taking it to another extreme of like, dude, seriously. Yeah. You know, but that that's my take on it. I, I totally understand the fire. I totally understand the drive. I totally understand wanting to be, hey, I'm the top guy. I need to be on the field when we're in the red zone. We need to score. But I don't understand, you know, <laughs> bumping into Andrew Reed like that. I just feel like that was totally uncalled for. Yeah. 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 And the last thing I'll say about this is if this you know, obviously this did happen. If the Chiefs would have lost this game, you would have seen quadruple the headlines about this. Yeah, there would have been a totally different headline. Totally yeah, different there, it, it would have been the first question that was asked. 
after the game was, do you think that that had effect on the loss? Or do you think that, you know, Kelsey was too much of a distraction for the team? It, they probably would have brought in, you know, Taylor Swift as being a distraction as to why he maybe did what he did. Stupid yeah. headline. It, it would have been major headline news. He would have had to apologize to Michael Strahan on Good Morning America, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, thankfully that they, you know, luckily I would say for Travis Kelsey and, you know, they, they won the game and it's not really that much talked about, um, you know, as, as it would be in comparison to if they lost. Um, but yeah, you know, all good points there. You know, there's two sides of the aisle and two things can be true. Like y'all said, um, and, you know, to go into more, let's get into like, I guess the later in the second half, um, obviously that the blocked extra point was, was huge for, for the, this game. And, you know, it, they would have gone up 17 to 13 um, instead of rather than 16 to 13, but that it gave the chiefs opportunity to tie the game and then keep the game to a point where it's like, if you get a field goal, we can get one, two and tie it up rather than, you know, in that two minute drill, it's 20 to 16, not 19 to 16. And the Chiefs have to score inside the 10 there with five seconds left um, in regulation, which is a whole lot different ball game. Um, mm -hmm. What would yeah, you say? Um, I have a different take on that. I actually think that that was beneficial to the Niners because during that point in the game, while the Chiefs were going down, it changed the way that they thought about the game. So, you know, if it's 17-13, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm like, we got to press for a touchdown here. But if it's 13 to 16, you're start you're thinking at the same time, okay, well, you know, if we don't get down here, we can still kick a field goal and we'll take this game either in overtime or yeah. whatever. But that to me, that wasn't as detrimental as everybody painted it to be. Um, I see both sides, but for me, like if I'm the Niners, it wasn't as crucial to to losing. Yeah as most people kind of painted it because of the reason I just said, you know, if you're the chiefs and you're driving down and like, man, if we, if we don't get, we can be conservative here because we can take this game or extend this game yeah. with a good field goal. So yeah, I would, might, say, I would say I wouldn't phrase it as being detrimental to go back on what I said. I would say that it, it just changed the outlook of how to approach the final moments of that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do agree with that. Yeah. Like in that moment, you know, it, Yes, you know, they could they played it different to get back to 16 and then to 19. Um, and you can play a little bit more conservatively and more you're like, okay, we're kind of have we're kind of protected here a little bit. But then once you get 20, if it was 20 to 16 under two minutes left, and you've got less than 10 seconds to score on first and 10 inside the inside of the 10 yard line after that Kelsey reception, that's a whole different outlook. And that would be the major point I would have on 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 the the blocked extra point, um, but then you know to get into uh, like later into the game, I guess we'll go into OT. Obviously, or evidently, you should, I should say, the 49ers players weren't apparently aware uh, that of the new overtime rules, and Fred Warner takes the ball first. And these new overtime rules, it's like it was it, that one. I would say, if you want to classify detrimental, I would say that would classify as detrimental. 
um, because the 49ers go down there, score a field goal, but then the Chiefs come back around and they get another possession. Um, they get their possession or whatever to score, and they don't have to worry about time late in the game because they get to finish their possession and stuff like that. So that was big. And it's weird to me. I saw a tweet that was pretty relative. They said, oh, you know, they always call us like Joe Schmoes and that we, we shouldn't talk about the game because we don't play inside the game. He was like, brother, I was 20 jalapeno poppers deep and I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no doubt. Like I just had two bags of Takis and I know exactly what's happening right now. So uh, we ain't just a casual. We can know the game. And so – I mean, what was y'all's thoughts on the overtime? You know, the medical guy, I'll start with, I'll like to start with you. You know, overtime, you know, just Purdy's drive and then Mahomes doing what he does best, being the inevitable. Mr. Irrelevant versus Mr. Inevitable. Yeah, so agree with you on the point about, like, I don't think the choice to take the ball or receive the ball first or not was that big of a deal. The bigger steal was, like, you know, just players not knowing the – the overtime rules, I feel like going into the biggest game of the year, like you, you've got to go in with a mindset and a preparation that anything that comes up, you know, what's going on. So that, that I thought was a bad look, but like no one would have cared if like they would have went down and scored a touchdown first drive. Um, my only thing is that, you know, when they got down to it, uh, down in the red zone, like they went to McCaffrey twice and then tried to throw the ball again. And it was third and four. And I, I still think like somehow you you've got to throw that. You've got to throw that to McCaffrey. Like I know there there was a blown coverage and whatnot. You can say whatever about Chris Jones getting to the quarterback, but I, I just feel like at that moment you've got to ride or die with like that that player. And um Yeah, that's when you why you winning Brad, you know. Yeah, because yeah. I mean you give it to McCaffrey he's more than likely going to get you positive, positive yards and you go into it with a fourth and two. Well, then that changes things or he gets you a first down that changes things. Um, and so I, I just didn't agree with that decision right there. Obviously it's hindsight. Um, and then on the Mahomes side, I mean, <laughs> the name says it all just Mr. Inevitable. I mean, and that's where the uh, changes, like we talked about earlier in the second half that you saw with the chiefs, that last that second half to overtime, they were saying, if we lose, it's with Mahomes. If we win, it's with Mahomes, whether it be with his arm, whether it be with his legs, whatever. There was yeah. no doubt in, in anybody's mind who who the play was going to revolve around. Um, and then another point I thought it was cool. They came out and said the play call for the touchdown it was Andy Reid's play call. It's uh, called Corn Dog. So I always thought that was pretty funny. And I think he's ran that play like multiple times and yeah, uh, it's called like corn dog or something. And so it was pretty cool to like, just, you know, you hear all these names like banana, Y split X, Y, two, nine, eight. And it's like, whatever. And he's like corn dog. Right. And it's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so a, that was funny. What's, what's cool about it is, is that's the same play that they used against the Eagles last year, but there's a slight variation to it. So, Last year with the Eagles, it was two guys on the right, and they ran that. This year is three guys, and the two guys on the right side, Kelsey ran like an over route, and the guy that popped out was Kadarius Tony. This time around, the Niners, you can see, were like kind of ready for that. But instead of doing that, they flashed K- 
Kelsey in front of the cornerback. Yeah. So the cornerback had to pick one or two. It was Kelsey and McCole Hardman, and he chose Kelsey, and it took his eyes off of Hardman, and that's why McCole Hardman was, like, wide open in the end zone. It's yeah. that little arrow, arrow route that they, you know, a lot of people are starting to run on the goal line now. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's one of the notes I have. It's funny how McCole Hardman was, like, on the Jets earlier in the year, and then just shows back up on the Chiefs and makes a game-winning catch. So yeah, yeah. Well, he's, the, he said the in the beginning of the year he was like, for the Jets, he was like, we're going to play the 49ers in the Super Bowl. He beat yeah. them. He made that prediction, and it was like, it's kind he of weird how it happened. How it happened, but yeah, <laughs> he knew his script. Uh, yeah, um, and then the last key pivotal point. I, I would say this is the biggest game changer in momentum in the game, um, and I kind of skipped over it a little bit was the muffed punt um you know obviously it bounced off of the 49ers um player's foot which caused the punt returner to have to go after and grab it which he should have just fell down on the ball instead of picking it up um could have should have would have but you know it it really changed the game because you know the 49ers defense had Mahomes on lockdown and once that happened it was like next play uh MVS touchdown over the middle and you're like oh, okay now we're back in it um yeah. you know Mahomes is cooking now there's some momentum let's go get a stop they get a stop and let's keep going um and so that's something I couldn't pass over was you know the muff punt um and it's a brutal moment <laughs> for the 49ers because we all knew we kind of sat there and was like that that's a game changer that's that's a pivotal moment in this game and it could come back to haunt them and it did um yeah. so um, I think that unless you'll have any final comments, I think that covers the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, I, I think we've touched on every single part of that, uh, the game that we can. Um, you know, Mahomes is Mahomes, Mr. Inevitable versus Mr. Irrelevant. And the Kansas City Chiefs get another Super Bowl. Um, yeah. The only thing I have to add is I think I saw a stat like the DVO, DVOA stat that this was like, the luckiest game in the history or whatever for the chiefs or whatnot, just due to all the things that could have gone wrong. I mean, they had, they had six fumbles and recovered five of them. Cool. Like, and Mahomes threw a pick. So if like you'd have gone into the game and said like, Hey, the chiefs put the ground, the ball on the ground six times and Mahomes threw a pick and they still managed to win this game. You would have been like, yeah, you're crazy. So that's the only other thing I had to add is like, yeah, no I mean, it was just in the cards for the Chiefs or the script for the Chiefs. And so <laughs> I thought that was nuts. Yeah, that's it. And the analyst, any final comments? No, I mean, I think we covered everything. The only thing that I would add is like the regarding the OT ruling. Um, I do think me and Jacob, just to add to what Jacob was saying earlier, I don't think that it was detrimental that they took the ball first. Um, but I think my mindset, if you think about the rules, my mindset would have been to play defense first and kind of be like, it's kind of the whole argument for going for two yeah. early in the game. It's because like you find out what you need later. Um, yeah. I'd rather be driving the field knowing yeah. what I need. Like the Let's sell out harder. on Mahomes. You know, yeah. on defense first. That way, he doesn't get the last go at it. Yeah, but yeah. The, I've also heard the argument was because the the Niners' defense was probably tired. But I'm like, dude, it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, like you have a whole commercial break. 
you have the coin toss, the hand and the kick. You're telling me you can't get your breath for the Super Bowl with all that? Like, I don't know. But anyway, that's that's really all I had to have. If it were me and I won that toss, I would have played defense first. Yeah. So. Well, they decided to play defense first. So um, <laughs> it did not end well for the 49ers. But, yeah, the Chiefs get in there and get another Super Bowl with Andy Reid. And their dynasty. So more to come with Patrick Mahomes um, in 2025 and six and seven and eight. Um, <laughs> we'll transition into our track ranking. This is the one we've been waiting for for a little entertainment aspect of it. But our top three Super Bowl 58 moments. Last week we did our top three Super Bowl moments moments all time. This one is specifically for um, this past Sunday. Um, so the analysts, I'll give you the first go at you. Um, obviously, we always implement. You know, honorable mention. So if you have that, you can start with that and then move into your gold and we'll move our way up to diamond. Yeah, I would say my honorable mention is Taylor Swift prancing around with ice bites. I did not see that incoming and I had no idea they were friends. Uh, or Blake Lively, too. Yeah. I didn't know they were Interesting, friends. cool, whatever. Um, my gold, my gold ranking is uh, the Greenlaw Achilles tear. I think that played a big, I mean, we've already kind of walked up and down that topic enough. So, yeah, um, that was. I think that one played a big role in the game. Yeah, yeah, and the medical guy. Uh, yeah. So my honorable mention is kind of basic, but I thought that Usher halftime show give that a little shout out. Um, just because it was a lot of music from like my childhood and growing up and whatnot. Uh, and then my gold was uh, Jawan Jennings TD pass to um, Chris McCaffrey. I thought that was. Yeah, I think the prop bet was like, yeah, it was it was a sick moment, but I think that was like Jawan Jennings' like first touchdown pass. Betting odds was like twenty five thousand, so it was like it was something nuts that if you'd have put a you know ten dollars on it, you would have won a lot of money. Golly, yeah, that's no. <laughs> wonder <laughs> I wonder if anybody did that. Somebody yeah. had to have. I saw a tweet um, that somebody was like, if he wins MVP, I win like twenty grand. Yeah, <laughs> and at the he end was of the close. first half, it was, it was really looking like he was going to win the MVP. Yeah, Juwan yeah. Jennings had a hell of a game. Um, okay, yeah, my honorable mention, and I don't know if y'all, I think a lot of people missed this, but it was the Kanye West commercial. Oh, God, Did y'all yeah. see that? <laughs> yeah, he just basically tuned in live on his iPhone. Was like, I'm going to put the 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 website down at the bottom, um, and and that's it. And then just went to the next one. I just was like, what? $7 million for a, a phone recorded commercial. It's brutal. Dude, it was hilarious. I was like, that is so Kanye West. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Taylor Swift was yanking at the chain of that commercial. Just like, I hate Taylor or I hate Kanye. Uh, and then my gold was Twitter. Um, X was phenomenal during this Super Bowl. They were talking about. <laughs> Mahomes, one of the best ones I saw. If you've ever seen Spider Man Three, where where um, Eddie Brock Jr. goes to the church and prays for Toby Maguire to die, yeah, to die, and it was like Patrick Mahomes at halftime preaching or uh, praying to Satan, and <laughs> there was that one, and then there was one that was like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at halftime, and it's like a like it's like a a satanic ritual with like people flying around in like <laughs> yeah, almost yeah, like that. what. What is going on? And um, the best one that I saw, I think, I think I have it here, um, was Cowboys Twitter. And so they were acting like 
they were acting like the Dallas Cowboys were playing in the Super Bowl during the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I have a clip here from it. And I this one was I was rolling on my on my knees laughing at this quite literally. No, but uh yeah, so it says you can see the format here. It says, Can Dak finally get the Cowboys over the hump and win the Super Bowl? Question mark. I emojis. And then it had like the TV icon, Super Bowl LV, you know, 6:30 p.m. ET on CBS, stream on NFL Plus, like the whole format. And then they go in here, it's like 4K graphics, Dak pregame, hyping yeah. up the team, like getting ready to go after it in the Super Bowl. And then inside the game was was using like like CD Lamb touchdown, be like CD Lamb ties the game up at seven with a touchdown in the second quarter. You know, watch now on NFL Plus streaming now and all this. I was like, oh my god, what a bunch of idiots! And uh, what a bunch of jabronis. But um, yeah, so th- that was mine. Was was X? So and then back to the analysts. <laughs> uh, my platinum was the Niners not capitalizing off of one Mahomes mistake. That yeah. was brutal. Wait, I my role game game moments, but that was the one thing that really stuck out to me with or one of the biggest things in the game. It was like if you're watching, we've already kind of covered it. You know, he there's the interception. And I was like, dude, if they don't fool right here in this game, it's all Mahomes. And that's what it turned out to be. So that's my platinum ranking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my platinum ranking and my last two are nothing to do with the game, uh, platinum ranking. And I think it's a shout out, to to the Rook as well. Cause he mentioned it a few pods ago, but the Budweiser commercial, um, yeah. where they had the big Clydesdale and then they had the, uh, the white Labrador in the commercial. Did y'all see that one? Yep. yep. Yeah. If not, if not, I got it pulled up, I can play it. But, uh, I thought I think the beer commercials, like those are always like pretty spot on and like yeah, pretty good commercials compared to you know the 17 Timu commercials we had to watch or whatever that <laughs> shit is. I bro, what is that? What is Timu? It's, like, Am- it's like, a Chinese Amazon. I didn't I had no clue what it was. Okay, yeah. I'll just say I, I might be I might be old. I know I'm a little older than some of y'all. I had no clue what that was. So I was like watching this pop up and I'm like, yes. I've never heard of this before. It's run by had- China. And so basically they sell all of this stuff China. like dirt freaking cheap. And and it's like the cheapest material you can find. Like <laughs> if you go on YouTube, you'll see Timu ads on the top. And it would be like, I don't know, like uh, I guess you use cookies. So like dildo, no, it's fine. But, oh, you know, stuff say, like yeah. that. And it'll be like a dollar. And really? yeah, I have a couple, I have a coworker that uses Timu to buy a lot of stuff like clothes. And ironically, he is of Asian descent. So like, Interesting. Know, yeah, anyway, I thought it was brutal that CJ Stroud uh, was in the Timu advertisement. I don't know if y'all saw that on Twitter, but he is now sponsored by Timu. I thought that was, well, cool. I mean, if they got, you know, $60 million to do however many commercials they did, I guess it's not a bad person to be sponsored by. But anyway, back to my platinum. Yeah, the Budweiser old school delivery where the truck shuts down and they somehow find a sled and <laughs> pull the beer all the way to the bar and the dog leads them in. Anything kind of with a dog or a puppy in it is kind of going to win my heart over. So yeah, uh, I thought that was I thought that was pretty pretty solid. Yeah, low key the Bud Light commercial was pretty good. I'm not gonna I lie. Bet, I, bet uh, I have a hot take on that. I bet you it was for you, huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have a hot take on that. If they really wanted to win America back over, what they would have done or what they should have done to get all the rednecks back on track, they used to drink Bud Light. They should have brought the Bud Knight back. Oh, absolutely. And they should have had him decapitate Dylan Mulvaney on on oh, Jesus, Ryan. That would have solved everything for him. Yeah. Like a turn, yeah. 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 Right, that like, was a pretty... Like, head off, twist his dick. Yeah. Or is, or is, oh, wait, what, what, uh, what does he have? <laughs> I don't know. They should have done, like, a joust thing where he beats him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty flamboyant take, uh, right? For Bud oh, Light, huh? I can see now, <laughs> I can see now a jousting match between the two, and you've got the Bud Knight, and everyone's cheering, going nuts. And oh, then God, where's this ran, going? There's a random knight on the other side, but it, they, you can't see its face, and he just brutally jousts it, you know. And guy goes <laughs> flying or you know off, reveals the cover from the random knight, and it's the person that you know screwed up Bud Light, and everybody's like, yeah. But you know, I could America You're would rally America. around something like that. You're, You're welcome, America. I'm not gonna lie, that was pretty tame of you, Jared. I didn't know where that was going. Ryan and I yeah. were on the edge of our seats. Where you were going <laughs> with that? We're like, uh, Ryan's yeah, next to the pause button, like real quick, just in case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait till season two. We're about to get real active. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, my platinum was, uh, and we already covered this a little bit, so I'll just mention it. Uh, my platinum was the Deadpool and Wolverine trailer. Uh, that was pretty badass, you know, Ryan Reynolds, not too much else to say about it. We already kind of covered it. So yeah, the, the Deadpool Wolverine trailer. Um, and then the analyst back to you for diamond. Yeah. My diamond week, uh, wank, my diamond ranking was the drive by Patrick Mahomes. I thought that was just like on par for his, his season. Straight this business. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Unbelievable. We already kind of talked about it, but my other diamond rating was the Bud Light commercial that I just mentioned. Uh, that's what I would have liked to see from Bud Light. I still don't drink Bud Light, never really cared for it. So, yeah. Um, it's Jared's favorite beer, so. Yeah, it's Jared's favorite beer. <laughs> oh, what a shame. No. <laughs> yeah, whatever, bro. Um, All right. But diamond. Uh, my diamond ranking is going to be the return. Of the Coors Light silver silver bullet commercial. I know they had that they had that commercial streaming for a while. Of uh, I think it's like I think it's been like 20, 20 years maybe. Yeah, it's been a while since that commercial uh, I think has I been heard aired. Thirteen somewhere ten to twenty years. Um, <laughs> but to oh, see man. that return, I'm a big Coors Light fan. That's what I that's do. what's in my fridge. Um, yeah. and so. Yeah. Uh, so to uh, <laughs> to see that back on there and and then bring back the silver bullet train was kind of nostalgic and whatnot. So yeah, to see it before I could drink beer and now that I can, it's pretty cool. Now yeah. that we know we Coors all Light is my is my go to for sure. Now that yeah, we know we who we all who we all vote for, you know, let's go on to <laughs> <know> my diamond. <laughs> Jared's like my diamond ranking is uh, Trump. It's like yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. Even a- Oh, he didn't, he didn't even have an ad. Yeah, my, my was, diamond ranking was Joe Biden's post after the Super Bowl. <laughs> bro, I thought that was so funny. Like, everybody was freaking out about it. And I was like, bro, someone stole his phone and yeah. like, posted he that 100%. He, oh, he no. doesn't operate it anyway. But it's like, that's if you think if you know that, then it's funny. 
like if you know that it's not actually Biden that like posted that, it's funny. Like yeah, I thought it was a bot like, account for the longest time. I was like, that's no, there's no way that it's. I a- mean, yeah, and the thing is, it's like it, just imagine like Gramps posting on Twitter. Like it's yes. not happening. It's He's not posting. It. Dude, yeah. I thought that was so funny. Like the Homelander just, eyes and whatnot. Like that was. I laughed so hard at that. I kind of wish it was Joe Biden that did it. Like that yeah. You imagine hilarious. him going through the editing process. He's like, "Yes." Yeah, <laughs> oh God, he, he might have. That might have been it for him if he tried to <laughs> edit, a, edit a picture on on Twitter. <laughs> um. Okay, and then I guess yeah. My my diamond was actually a part of the game. Um. And it was. And I think Ryan had it a little mm-hmm. bit, but it was Mahomes' fourth quarter and overtime performance, and just kind of stapling himself as you know, basically the greatest of our generation, um, or of his era. And it was just like it was almost like saying just like we I guess to mention what Joe Biden said, just like we wrote it up. And yeah. it was a phenomenal last minute drive. It was so Mahomes esque. It was like we're gonna put the ball in his hands and 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 we're gonna win with Mahomes or either lose to Mahomes. And um they came out on top once again. And I just I think a lot of people were watching that and they said to themselves, I'm not shocked. So um yeah. yeah so okay, those were our track rankings. We got a little uh that was that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Way to tote the line there, boys. But there uh, okay. Tracking the boys. We're just gonna cover a little bit of this. Um, because we had some new news come out and a little bit of reaction stuff too. But Mike Zimmer, you know, officially the new Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. Now, I know beforehand around the Super Bowl that Rex Ryan came out with a report himself saying, you know, actually that's not confirmed. And so kind of everybody went into a haze saying, Oh God, you know, is who's actually the defensive coordinator. Of course, Jerry Jones would do this sort of thing. And of course he would do some, something like that. And then it came out to be that Mike Zimmer, um, you know, is a defensive coordinator. So uh, I guess that being said, the analysts, you know, what do you think of this hire? I mean, what, like, what is your, I guess, key breakdown um, most important, parts of this hire and we'll get into a lot more of it you know in the off season but we wanted to touch on it a little bit because it's very recent news but what do you think of mike zimmer joining the dallas cowboys defensive well i haven't really looked into all of like because this is literally fresh like two hours ago that it's official official first but, reaction um, i don't well I'm, what i mean is i haven't really looked into like what he does and what his scheme is it's been a while since i think he's coached defense in the nfl um, at least two years. I, I don't know where he was before. I know he's with the – I think since Kevin O'Connell replaced him as the head coach for the Vikings, he hasn't been yeah. around. Yeah. But um, anyway, short, long story short, um, I have hiring Rex Ryan would have been a huge mistake I for agree. Dallas. I agree. And I think Mike Zimmer was definitely the better option here. Um, what I have seen about Mike Zimmer is that he is very – he expects – high demands from defense, and I think that's what Dallas needs. I think Dan Quinn was, like, I think a good comparison from what I've seen is, like, Dan Quinn was, like, the backwards hat dad that hands you beer at 16 when you're over at your friend's house. And then Mike Zimmer's the guy that's, like, your peewee football coach that's the dad's coach that's screaming in everybody's faces and is demanding <laughs> excellence. And I almost think that's what Dallas needs is somebody that's going to, you know, not treat them all like pretty boys. So, uh, I'm excited to see what happens, kind of dig into, you know, what he does for Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Great. The medical guy. Yeah. Um, I like the hire. 
Uh, obviously, the Cowboys did what they normally do, and they waited around. And so they kind of just had to go with somebody. Um, however, I think this is, you know, a better hire than what they could have done um, because we yeah. know how they could uh, ultimately screw that up. Um, but kind of what kind of what Ryan said is that, you know, I think he's going to bring a different aspect to it, a more disciplined aspect to it, um, especially on the the what's the word like pre-snap penalty stuff. I mean, we saw in that last that last game how many just you know offsides, false starts, stuff like that we had, and um, I think he's going to bring a, dis- a a discipline effect to that, to where like we're not going to make as many of those just without playing the game mistakes. Um, and then to, to, you know, point to Ryan's uh, uh, explanation that he had and Darren Woodson came out, old Cowboys great, yeah. came out and said like, Mike Zimmer's not going to be your friend. He's going to be your coach. And so I think that's, that kind of, you know, adds to that point that he's going to be, did I cut out there? Cause y'all kind of, Froze a little bit. Yes. Yeah, you cut out, but it, it caught back up. You said, okay. uh, I guess reiterate it. You said, um, Mike Zimmer's not going to be your friend. He's going to be your coach. Yeah. 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 So it's a, he said, like his quote is, Mike Zimmer's not going to be your friend. He's going to be your coach, which is going to go towards the point that, like, that's what they need. They don't need someone who's going to be nice. And I don't want to say he's nice, but like, let him get away with shit. Like, there's not yeah. going to be, we're not going to be in game 18 or 19 of the season and we have, five defensive offsides or false star penalty or uh, encroachment penalties. And I think that's definitely going to be good. Um, and, you know, for the, like the old heads of the team, like Brandon Cooks came out and said it and Stefan Gilmore came out and said it like they liked that hire because that's how he is. Like you don't bullshit with the coach. Like he coaches you, you take the coaching, you go do your job. And I think that's going to be a good thing for the Dallas Cowboys, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. And I think y'all hit on the, on, on all the points here uh, with the hire. Um, some things to think about, in my opinion, to, I guess, to touch on this last aspect of it is, you know, obviously, yeah, I want to touch a little bit on the philosophical aspect of it. You know, he's going to come in here and, um, and he's going to coach you hard. And, you know, there's going to be some guys that, that might check out um, that we may have to kind of move off of that say like, you know, if you're not going to buy into this new philosophy philosophy on defense, then, you know, we might not want you here. And uh, I'm not saying any key players. I'm just saying, you know, there, there might be some guys. That's something that Darren Woodson pointed out. Um, the last bit of information would be Dan Quinn we've had for the last four years and he went and drafted all of his guys to fit his scheme. You know, those long lengthy, uh, you know, cornerbacks and defensive backs and safeties. And then, you know, he went out and got Sam Williams early in the second round, kind of reached for him to get his kind of guy. And now Dan Quinn's out the building. And so what happens to all of these leftover, you know, defensive backs in the scheme? You know, are, are they going to be used the same way? Are they going to be believed in in the same way? You know, I don't think Mike Zimmer is going to come in and cut them some slack just because he was they were Dan Quinn's boys. I think he's going to come in and say, I've got I'm here to run things a certain way and either on board or you're not and you know and react to that in the future so i'm interested to see how that plays out with a guy like mike zimmer who might want to go get his own set of guys uh whether it be in free agency or um in the draft and there might be some guys moved around for for compensatory picks um that's just something i can see in the long run but um i'll be interested to see how it works out i'm pretty excited 
uh, about the hire. I don't dislike it. I agree with um, the medical guy saying that, you know, that this is something that could have been done earlier and we kind of waited around. But long story short, I mean, I'm not opposed to the hire. I, 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 what I really enjoy about it most is just the philosophical standpoint and his expectation um, that he that he sets as coordinator. Um, and the last thing we'll touch on before we wrap things up here um, is Michael Parsons had Jordan Love um, on the podcast in Vegas. And there was some controversial opinions about this, but this is uh, him talking about our defensive scheme in the playoffs um, when Jordan Love faced us at AT&T Stadium. And let's see what we, we have here, what he's talking about. So a little short clip, it's about 20, 23 seconds. Man, I think that the key for us going to the game was we, we needed to run the ball. That was a huge thing. Obviously, we played y'all the year before, and I felt like we ran the ball pretty well. So uh, just going against y'all, I'm like, I'm not trying to talk, but I, y'all, y'all linebackers, you know, y'all had a DB playing linebacker. Um, I don't know, but like that was our goal was to be able to run the ball, and it was going to set everything else up. And obviously, man, I – Yeah, so that's interesting. And this is something that – Baldy brought up in his breakdowns, you know, why do we have a 205 pound linebacker sitting in there, you know, in a goal line set or on third down or in short yardage scenarios. And he's just getting absolutely bullied by people triple his size. And we've talked praise about, and they're pointing out, you know, a guy that we talk praise about all year and that's Marquise Bell. Um, That's the primary guy and maybe some Donovan Wilson in there. And, we're not at all saying that they're not capable of playing great football because both of those players played outstanding all year and stepped up. Marquise Bell, I mean, hell, I know I just said it, but to reiterate, we praised him all year. He was one of the highest graded rovers in the league. And this was just Dan Quinn's philosophy. And just the last, like just, just seeing that in that scenario, you always say hindsight's 2020. We did lose some pieces. Yes. You know, we lost late Vander Esch, you know, overshone in the preseason. We don't really have a whole lot of depth left, but at the same time, you've got to do something. You got to make a move in the free agency. You can't go in there thinking that this scheme isn't going to hurt you in the long run. Um, and so, yeah, my personal opinion on this is Jordan loves exactly right. Y'all linebackers. I, I like that. That quote right there is saying like, we saw the, major weakness in your team and we knew that running the ball against you would get you hurt and what has been the common theme of us losing playoff games the past three years that's run defense you know and go even go back to like 2018 when we played um the rams cj anderson tore us up then back to 2021 raheem Mostert tore us up then in 2022 when you know mccaffrey was on the 49ers and yeah we played pretty decent against them and then this year we get absolutely roasted on the ground by aaron aaron jones it just it's insanity. It's just insanity. And you're asking these players to play outside of themselves. Um, and it's not their fault. It really isn't. It's that's a scheme thing, in my opinion. Um, but y'all, y'all, I know I covered a lot of it, but do y'all have any any short comments on um on Jordan Love and what he's saying here and kind of the scheme? Uh just free feel free to say today. Uh, for me, mine's mine's pretty short. One, I do think that Marquise Bell is a good player, but Jordan Love is correct. A 205-pound linebacker should not be trying to stop the run fence. And two, I think it's completely corny that Mikey, Mark, Michael Parsons had Jordan Love on his podcast after that dude just spanked his ass and completely embarrassed our football team. And then it's, like, cool for him to be on the podcast. I think that's ridiculous. So 
it kind of yeah. changes my opinion a little bit on Michael Parsons. I feel like I'm like, dude, first what's what he's been saying after the games, like, yeah, I did my part. And then number yeah. two, doing what he's doing now, it's kind of like, man, all right, just the shut your ass up. Independent branding. Yeah. No, I my my points are my points are pretty similar to both of y'all, and especially Ryan right there. Um my first point was, yeah, corny is a good way to, to put it. Um, I can understand, like, if you – like, I, it's cool to bring players on and whatnot. I think that's super cool. But, like, let the wound heal a little bit, brother. Like, it just yeah. – it to me, it just looks weird that, like, you just spanked your ass and two months later, a month later, you have him on your podcast talking about how he whooped your ass. Like that's yeah. to me is like two boxers don't do that. Like or UFC fighters don't get in there and like, oh well, you knocked my ass out. Like how'd you do it? Like you know, like that yeah. to me just seemed very weird. Like yeah, very Jose, weird behavior. Jose Aldo isn't asking Conor McGregor to come on his podcast. And go, how did you punch the shit out of me? Um, you know, in the octagon that one time. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, what was you your, know, what was your game plan? Well, your jaw's a little weak. It's like what, <laughs> what, dude? Like, I like to me that's just strange. Um, but yeah, Jordan Jordan Love just touched on it. What we all talked about, and it kind of you know talking about Dan Quinn's scheme is like his defense was a very opportunistic defense, right? A lot of takeaways and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but when it got down to the nitty gritty and the hard work up front, like yeah, we could rush the pass very well. Yeah, we could pick balls off. Yeah, we could chase down receivers and tight ends, but when it got into a third and less than three or four or an obvious run situation, we got bullied. And so sooner or later, you gotta have some you gotta have some mass up front that can, you know, clog a hole or yeah. you know, take up two defenders. And, you know, that's that that's I mean, he literally told him like, Oh yeah, we saw your linebackers were small. We wanted to run the ball because if we got to the second level, we were winning that. And, you know, I think that's definitely going to be something that changes. Um, hopefully they get Mozzie Smith uh, a lifetime gift card to Chipotle or Golden Corral or whatever. So he could put all that that weight back on. So he can be the player that we all think he is. I mean, to me, that that just shows like the scheme is that Dan Quinn built a defense that was good at preying on teams that were behind right yeah yeah he planned basically he planned every scheme as if our offense would never make a mistake that way they could play aggressive and jump those routes and do all that and then when our offense didn't they couldn't get a stop and then we had to play the opposite way and so hopefully mike zimmer changes that and and all that but those are just my two points on that i i agree with with ryan i think it's just hella corny and just odd behavior I will say this. That might be one of the best summarizations of Dan Quinn's scheme that I've heard. Uh, I think that's excellent. That that might be the best way to summarize it. Like, yeah. no cap. No, <laughs> so, no, no kizzy. No, no cap. No kizzy, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No slot, baby. Yeah. But, okay. Slot. Yeah. Nah. But – Okay, yeah, and obviously in the offseason, in season two, we're going to get into depth with, you know, draft analysis, OTAs, and get our hopes up again and get absolutely shit-rocked in, in, in January. So um, we are – we're going to be ready for that. But, yeah, this was um, 
This was Super Bowl 58. This is track 35, uh, Mr. Inevitable. And before we wrap up here, I'm going to give you all a little breakdown, kind of a little preview of what to expect maybe in season two. So this is, like I've mentioned a couple times in this podcast, the end of season one of the, the Rook and the Kid podcast. And we are announcing the, the official launch date of season two soon. So we're going to take, you know, two or so weeks off um, and we're going to have different release dates for each week. It'll probably be on Sundays. Uh, we want to thank our audience for tuning in, you know, to the 35 exciting episodes that we were able to present to you guys every Wednesday. Um, and then we, some things, you know, we learned along the way. Um, and so we'll be kind of announcing our implementation of upgrades within the next 14 days. And we've got some fun, fun stuff. Um, you know, I've mentioned a couple of it before leading up to this episode, like, um, you know, in-person recording with the Rook and the kid. Um, and then some better camera angles, lighting, you know, the whole, sort of whole <laughs> shebang. So we, we've got some fun stuff lined up and we'll announce a lot of those features and upgrades um, in a video soon. Uh, and then stay tuned to our social media, you know, for those news and updates as well. Um, it's format and schedule uh, in particular. And then you can find us um, in between there on Instagram at track.pod, um, on X at the track pod and on TikTok at track.pod. And just FYI, the TikTok has been extremely active as of late with a lot of content material. So if you that's one of the most popular apps out there. So be attention, pay attention to TikTok for track pod. Uh, but yeah, appreciate you guys tagging along. This was a exciting football season. Um, we had a blast covering for you guys. So I would say the analysts and the medical guy, I really appreciate you guys contributing to this podcast, coming on here, taking times away from your from your uh, from your wives and you know and, and your and your jobs and making a sacrifice. So I've enjoyed having you guys on here, and I'm looking forward to a fun 2024. Um, so more to come on that. We're going to collab together and, and get some things rolling for you guys. So we're going to enjoy these two weeks off, play some call of duty, rock league, you know, get, a, get in the gym, get active, eat bad. Um, there we go. Snake, maybe go on a date or two. Who knows? But drink a beer, you know, drink a beer, drink a Bud Light, uh, two, two beers, a beer. So three beers. Yeah. What? Uh, so. Four beers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, all right. We will see y'all in a couple of weeks in the springtime and thank you guys this is the rook and the kid podcast shadow the script every wednesday and see you later